Hi, this is Lindsay. My husband, Tim, is a big listener of the show and told me that you're doing um, an episode on uh, You've Got Mail. That is one of my favorite movies. I used to watch it almost every fall. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, you know, the first time I saw it, I went to the theaters with my mom and my sister. And we sat there with everyone watching that opening scene as they keep like running into each other, not knowing who each other are, but passing each other. And everybody in the theater was saying, ooh, ah. And it was so exciting to watch that with everyone there um, in the theater. So anyway, excited to hear this episode and have a great Thanksgiving. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Hello and welcome to episode 108 of Can We Still Be Friends, a podcast that tests the limits of the friendship between two people who mistake movie taste for personal morality. I'm Nate Goss, here with Ryan Ebling. It's Tea Hanksgiving, the second in our annual trio of seasonal episodes, where we give thanks for Hanks by watching a movie featuring America's beloved Tom Hanks. This year, we're celebrating by watching You've Got Mail, his third rom-com team-up with Meg Ryan, and their second with writer-director Nora Ephron. We haven't explored romantic leading man Tom Hanks, so we're excited to rewatch the movie that might just be Hanks and Ryan at the peaks of their rom-com powers. You've Got Mail was a huge hit, earning $250 million worldwide. People flocked to see Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan return to the chemistry that made Sleepless in Seattle such a hit. Critics seem to find the pairing less sparkling, but as seems to be happening to most 90s popular cinema, people are finding new appreciation for this optimistic, lighthearted love story, warts and all. People seem glad to relive the innocent early days of the internet, when not everyone was online and people actually got excited to write and receive emails. But is You've Got Mail really worth revisiting nearly 25 years later? Or is this one movie that we should put out of business? Keep listening. Goodbye. Dear friend, I like to start my notes to you as if we're already in the middle of a conversation. I pretend that we're the oldest and dearest friends as opposed to what we actually are, people who don't know each other's names, and met in a chat room where we both claimed we'd never been before. What will NY152 say today, I wonder? I turn on my computer. I wait impatiently as it connects. I go online and my breath catches in my chest until I hear three little words. You've got mail. I hear nothing, not even a sound on the streets of New York, just the beat of my own heart. I have mail from you. All right. Well, uh, I don't know if we could have picked a better clip to just summarize what this movie is really about, because yeah. in that clip, you've got the man of the hour, really, right. the, what we're really here for in this right. episode. Uh, by the way, happy tea Thanksgiving. Happy tea Thanksgiving to you and yours. Um, yes, you and yours and everyone listening. Yeah. Happy tea Thanksgiving. So glad you're with us. Of course, that was the Hanks himself mm-hmm. as Joe Fox, you know, the always, always lovable Meg Ryan mm-hmm. as Kathleen Kelly. This was the very beginning of the movie. You had the cranberries and yeah, everything. Yeah, uh, this is quintessential, is what it is this in movie. every way. That in that clip, especially, you've got the you've got the AOL voice. Yep, and you've got you've got mail. And if you you don't see it because this was just the audio, but you've got like the the fall getting you real settled in for exactly what this is, which is yeah. you know a feel good, a movie. pretty quintessential '90s rom com. Yeah, I would say that the three of them, Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, and Nora Ephron, kind of are 90s romantic comedies. I, I would agree with you. So anyways, Tea Hanksgiving. Yeah. So I think that like a lot of our uh, past Tea Hanksgiving episodes, we're going to be talking about the movie, of course, but we're kind of talking about it through the lens of Tom Hanks. Appreciating and Tom appreciating Hanks. Appreciating Tom yeah. Hanks. And uh, it's something we love to do every November Yeah. as we get ready to give thanks for a lot of things. And I think we just always we like to off, start off talking about how much how thankful for we Hanks. are for Tom Hanks. Yeah. Although this is maybe more Meg Ryan's movie. I mean, yeah, we should get into it, but I would totally agree uh, when you actually watch it. 
mm-hmm. it's you know definitely they have like the same billing mm-hmm. but it's really kind of her movie yeah and like like we said in the intro this might be the peak of their powers as romantic comedy stars yes the two of them uh 98 was when this was when this came out so mm-hmm. i actually thought it would be interesting just to you know as part of the 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 hanksology of this sure. is to kind of situate this within hanks where was he in his career at this time and and what do you think about where hanks is situated when we when we sit down to watch you've got mail uh, in in your mind now looking back but also like where he maybe was in the zeitgeist well, during this time of 98 i mean he was in do no wrong mode yeah, that's what I was kind of looking at. The, I'm looking at the the filmography, yeah, and the chronology here. So he, th- to me, and you, you tell me what you think here. I don't know why in my mind I always kind of place this earlier in his career, but '98. Mm. Well, he obviously had, as far as rom coms go, he'd already done Sleeps in Seattle. I'm aware of that. Yeah, but even just as far as his broader car- career, he had already done. He'd Philadelphia, already won two Oscars: Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. Apollo 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know the exact timing of the year, but this is the same year Saving Private Ryan. Right. I think You've Got Mail, I'm going to guess, came out a little before. You've Got Mail came out in December Oh, so That's wild to me. Two just completely polar opposite style movies, but also huge mega hits in Mm -hmm. theaters at the exact same time. That's how big Tom Hanks is at this moment. Right. Yeah. They actually probably weren't in the, at the same time because uh, Saving Private Ryan was a summer release, uh, July. That's right, yeah. Because uh, yep, I remember seeing it in the summer. But then You've Got Mail was a, was a late December movie. It was a Christmas release, which is interesting because there's yeah. not a moment of Christmas there's, in it. Uh, I, well, not a Christmas moment, but there's like there are, I think, scenes where it you see Christmas lights. Year, yeah, yeah, because it starts in the fall and ends in the spring. Right. So yeah, there is winter in it, but it certainly isn't you know focus of it at all. But yeah, you're right. It's not, it's not early. He was Tom Hanks. So I'm, I think we do this every year. Uh, and I think it's a good tea Hanksgiving tradition to kind of remind ourselves of how major a decade the 90s was yeah, for, for Tom, for Tom Hanks. Hanks. I was going to ask you, if, if you had to name one movie, what do you think is like the movie that is like Hanks at the pinnacle, the peak oh, Hanks? Oh, man. Well, we... I'll say, okay, so we talked about this last at the end of last episode that there are different Tom Hanks, yes. different wheelhouses, different sorts of... Okay, so let's look at it from this way. Career Hanks, like Hanks as his career goes. Well, no, I, maybe not even that. I'm going to say sort of a mixture of like career, but also sort of like just... Bigness? Bigness and also just like quality of movie put out. I I might say Castaway. That was That was my answer. So I think because we're both saying that, that's must the answer. Right. That's the yeah. objective answer. Yeah. But my reason for that is because that's 2000. Yeah, two so years this, after this. So this is still like, you've got mail is kind of like in Saving Private Ryan. I think there's like maybe Green Mile in between this and... Um, Toy Story 2. And Toy Story 2. Yeah. And then it's Castaway. And it's yeah. just like, man. And then you start looking and they're not bad movies, but you kind of see a little bit of a decline, I think. after. Well, that. he's definitely doing different stuff. The I think, follow-ups are Road to Perdition, Catch Me If You Can, The Lady Killers, The Terminal. Lady Killers and Terminal might be where he started becoming a different game like Dad Tom Hanks. Okay, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah. He's got his jokes and he's got his things. Like he was doing voices, you yeah. know, Lady Killers and The Terminal. He got to do accents. But I got no problem with Oh hey, don't get don't get me wrong. Yeah. I mean, this is not this is not saying there's like a that that's necessarily lesser Tom Hanks, mm-hmm. but I just think as far as like just being sort of king of the mountain, undeniably <clears throat> king of the mountain. I feel like Castaway, place Castaway is when he's really holding a movie entirely by himself. Right. We and I, I think it was a really fitting first T Hanksgiving that we I did. Agree. I agree. Because it was just kind of like hey. Let's this start is, at the top of the this mountain. This is Tom Hanks at the top of the mountain. Yeah. This is like Moses, Tom <laughs> Hanks, coming down with the stone tablets yeah. of Hanksology. Yeah. yeah. But I'm looking at this list, and I'm, I'm just excited for future T-Hanksgiving. This happens every T-Hanksgiving, right? I'm just like, why don't we just do a year? A year of Hanks. <laughs> right. They just no, changed the like, name of this podcast. There's a, reason, there's a reason we don't eat, and I think we say this every year. There's a reason you don't eat Thanksgiving. Every month. Thanksgiving meal every month. Yes. Um, and there's a reason we only allow ourselves to revel in Tom Hanks it, it's once got, a year. You, you got to ration it out yep. a little. But I, I, you know, you could make a case for You've Got Mail being part of Tom Hanks's peak as well. I, I think. I think uh, probably peak rom com yes. Tom Hanks for mm-hmm. sure. Now I, I think other people might think other rom com Tom Hanks they might like Sleepless in Seattle better. Well, would you consider Big a rom com? 
I don't know. Maybe, maybe. Splash? Yeah, that would be. That's very early. So people might like those movies more, but mm-hmm. I think You've Got Mail was like Tom Hanks had his most bankable rom-com yeah. for mm-hmm. sure. Like mm-hmm. you put him in a movie with Meg Ryan and honestly, it could have sucked real bad mm-hmm. and people were going to go see it and it was going to make its money back. Yeah. But did it suck real bad? That's that's what we're here <laughs> that's what for. We're talking about. <laughs> so, did, have you seen this movie uh, a bit? Um, yeah, I think this was probably like my third time seeing it. Okay, I mean, I didn't see it in the movie theater when it came out, but I'm pretty sure it's one of those that was just like it was in that time. You got to remember back in '98, this was also kind of like peak blockbuster time. I oh, feel yeah. like so, like we would go to the video store mm-hmm. like every Friday almost, and my mom would usually pick something, and then we would pick something. And a lot of times we would watch what my mom picked out too. And I'm pretty sure my mom picked out "You've Got Mail" one time. Mm-hmm. I couldn't give you details much no. beyond that, but like I know I watched it. I'll just put it that way. And I know I watched it like when I was probably too young to really appreciate a rom-com. Yeah. And I probably was one of those where I wouldn't want to like admit to my friends that I liked it or probably even that I watched it. Yeah. I mean, I would have been like in high school. So Mm -hmm. it would have been like that kind of age where it would have been kind of weird to really love You've Got Mail. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm not, I wasn't the target audience for that movie, but I didn't see it. I I couldn't tell you if I watched it beginning to end Mm -hmm. a ton of times, but it was a movie that was just around. And I even... I, I'm pretty sure that my wife owned it on DVD at one point. So it's just one of those movies that, for whatever reason, I've probably seen more than I even know that I've seen. Yeah. You know, how about you? I, I'm yeah, same same thing. I m- remember vaguely watching it with my family, but I don't really remember much about it. And then um, this is like a favorite movie of my wife's family, um, so they love it and quote it and talk about it. Fairly frequently. I feel like a lot of people have seen this movie. Most mm-hmm. people have probably seen this movie I feel at like some point or another, even if they forgot. The thing is, I don't know if I expressed in a lack of interest in watching this movie or my wife just assumed I didn't want to watch this movie. She would tend to watch it in the fall. She would kind of like feel like watching it and then watch it without me. And so I feel like I've seen a lot of parts of it over the last few years, but I don't think I've sat down to watch it until this time. And I have to say, before we get into kind of our experience of rewatching it, I am just kind of surprised that it's had, okay, I shouldn't say this because it is Tom Hanks and it is Meg Ryan, right? but I am kind of just surprised that it's had this lasting power because it's not just that it's so of its time. It's also like the title and everything. It's got like all the hallmarks of like a really crappy corporate tie-in movie. Yeah. You know, almost like like The Wizard or something like that, which was like sort of a movie designed to sell more Nintendo products. Yeah. And this just, I'm not, I don't actually know the context of You've Got Mail and whether it was sort of made with that as an, uh, a second intent of <laughs> selling more AOL discs. Yeah. I don't really know, but like it's such a, it's even in the title and everything, it is such like an AOL branded movie. Mm-hmm. Right. You would never think of those kind of movies as having much lasting power beyond camp, really. Right. But it, seems like it has yeah, like a it lot of people, with people it does exactly it connects with people interesting um, it's a movie about people connecting and yeah it connects, it with, connects people. with people wow it's the power of cinema and email yeah <laughs> well okay maybe we should uh then do you want to do our, our like our our ratings um sure i don't know that i rated it but yeah i'll come up with a rating yeah so i mean i just looked it up and um on my letterbox i had this rated as a three-star movie but I think that's kind of what I give every movie that, that like I saw. I saw. <laughs> that's sort of like your average. I honestly don't know what my opinion of this movie should be, but because I don't have much of an opinion, it must not be that great. So mm-hmm. three stars sounds about right. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I mean, but now I've rewatched it. Do you? Uh, what I mean, what are you thinking for your rating? I rewatch. I probably would say my rating right now is three and a half. I was going to say the exact same thing. Oh wow! Okay. Which isn't glowing for a Tom Hanks movie, but I can get no. into sort of my reasoning why. I'm sure right. you have your own reasons why. Yeah. I should I, say I to think... me, that's a positive, re- that's to me positive still. Yeah. yeah. These are never like hard and fast, right? We, we always kind of talk ourselves into our final rating. Right, right. Um, so I am interested to, to see what you took from this. Because what I don't want to do is, and we, we say this all the time, I don't want to nitpick it to stupid degrees. No, well, we should take it for what it is and was yeah. at the time. Yeah. It's meant to be kind of like comfort food. Yeah. 
you know, it's not meant to be a, a, a really strong statement on right. much of anything, right. it, even though that is in there, kind of. Um, like, it tries to a little bit. But, yeah, it um, does, which is one of the things that I guess I have questions about. Sure. <laughs> but it's kind of like one of those things where you you've kind of have to judge a movie based on what it's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And and what I think this movie's trying to do is basically be a sweet, harmless mm-hmm. romantic comedy that people could escape a little bit mm-hmm. and enjoy. Frankly, enjoy Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. And I think on that level, it succeeds pretty well. Yeah, like I, I for sure. I had a good feeling watching this. Yep. Um, you know, and now it's kind of that same good feeling audiences in '98 probably had with an added sort of tinge of nostalgia. Yeah. And there was an article by, oh, interestingly enough, her name is Kathleen Keenan. Wait, Kathleen, so... Kathleen Keenan all right, is the writer for Real Honey, uh, R-E-E-L, um, who wrote about this movie uh, at its 20th anniversary in okay. 2018. And uh, she noticed that the movie's aesthetic fits right into today's knitted blanket and mm. teacup, like hashtag bookstagram kind of definitely uh, it certainly does vibe yeah so you get to live in that world even if you don't if, like people are escaping to it on instagram and uh, tiktok but here's like a movie version of it and yeah. a little and much more authentic than sort of the i guess now like thrift shops like yeah or now almost like um fabricated yeah or like it's like fabricated but also like Desperate? Desperate and also like a little knowingly retro. Yeah, right. Whereas this is like, no, this was like that vibe you want in its time. Right. When this was just natural. Yeah. This is like that vibe in its natural habitat. 1998, it's its natural habitat. Although the version of New York that they're depicting, I don't know if that's ever been a natural habitat in New York. Right, right. Which one of our our longtime listeners and uh, commenters... He commented that it's depiction of New York I hadn't seen before, I don't think. It's kind of nice and safe in a sense. Maybe a T. Hanks New York. He never had to kick any homeless folks off his boat. Um, it's definitely a sanitized, sure. you know, fabricated New York. But it's sort of the dream of New York. And isn't right? that, I want to say, isn't When Harry Met Sally, that's in New York, right? Maybe That might just be like Nora Ephron's New York, mm-hmm. you know? Just like there's like a Nancy Myers kitchen. Sure. That's like... Very like not many people have that. It's, a, it's a, an aspirational. A Nora, uh, yeah, it's an aspirational a, kitchen. Yeah. This is sort of like an aspirational. Nora Ephron, uh, Nora Ephron, New York, comfy New York. Yeah, yeah. but I, still, it's I, nice I would, to live in. I would take any T. Hanks version of any city. I think that's true. Well, <laughs> want to live there? Maybe not Philadelphia. But. Maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that's a sad Philadelphia. Yeah, but but you're but yeah, you're right. Um, and uh, definitely rom com Tom Hanks. Yes. This movie's got some good vibes to it. Yeah. I, I think, you know, definitely some great New York vibes, also yeah. just some great fall vibes. I mean, I could, uh-huh. I was, as soon as this kicked off, it's just, uh, yeah, I was like, man, this is a yeah. great T. Hanks pick right here. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wrote in my uh, notes, give me Tom Hanks in a sweater all November. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's just something about the sweaters he was wearing, That's the right. coziness of this movie. It's there for you. It, in every way. Books. I mean, there's oh, like yeah. the coziness of just books and mm. the bookstore. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, what's crazy now is that like, you know, this movie's so naive that it doesn't realize the very thing that's bringing them together is exactly what's going to bring all of books down, which is the internet yeah. and Amazon, yeah. uh, which they don't even have. Like, there's no even just foresight at right. all of Amazon in this movie. Right. Barnes and Noble basically is the big bad wolf in this. Yeah. Uh, or, or Fox Books. Yeah. But, uh now you look at Fox Books, which was supposed to be this cold yeah. corporate bookstore, yeah. and People I'm are trying to save that brick and mortar. <laughs> and version, I'm like, yeah. oh, what I wouldn't do for a nice, what what I wouldn't give for a nice Fox Books in my neighborhood <laughs> right now, because yeah. our, our around us we've got no bookstores. Yeah. You know? Well, what's kind of funny, and I guess I'll start with one of the things that perplexed me about the movie, and maybe I, I I'm forgetting what 1998 was like. Was she is very much anti corporate. But she goes to Starbucks every day, and like I couldn't tell if that was supported supposed to be sort of like ah this is her New York this is her Starbucks like if and if Starbucks just yeah. wasn't that big then and if Starbucks was still sort of but it just felt like well it certainly doesn't ring true now no for sure not at all it just it, it felt like either it didn't know what Starbucks was going to be or Starbucks wasn't that at the time or I guess maybe the whole corporate thing is just a conceit and not an actual point yeah. <laughs> I think that's a good point. I do think 
the view of Starbucks was slightly different in 1998. I don't have evidence for that, yeah, but no. I kind of feel like Starbucks was still something that was like mostly in cities. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody knew it was like corporate, but it wasn't a behemoth, but it wasn't like McDonald's corporate yet. Yeah. I think it was on its way though by 98. I think it was pretty, I mean, it pretty well. It feels like it, but I don't know. It's kind of like when I was in college, Chipotle would have been like a way to signal local, yeah. cool kind of place to go. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little wh- bit outside which, the which mainstream. Was, which was like 2003, 2004. Yeah. Chipotle was like the cool place to go because there just wasn't that many of them and yeah. we had one. Yeah. And I wonder if that's kind of what Starbucks was in 98 for New yeah. York was like, not many people have a Starbucks and yeah. if your neighborhood has one, then that's kind of a nice neighborhood to be in. Which even that, like being in on the ground floor of a corporation being like oh man yeah i i I used to love chipotle now i don't like even that feels like it's gone because everything is so online and it's not like websites only become available in certain areas and like oh have you been to this website yeah like no i haven't i meant to it's like it sounds like really cool he's just like oh no and then you pull up your phone and you're there and you're like oh yeah whatever like the the like that's where the kind of the growth is i guess like potentially Uber, like when you, oh, Uber's in our city. Like we can use Uber now. Like, sure. Like but, a service that, yeah. that has to come to your city that's yeah. not everywhere yet. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't know. I, maybe I'm not everybody's as cynical as I am, but if something like that comes along, because Uber wasn't that long ago, but if there were something else that's like, you know, like before DoorDash became ubiquitous or something. Just some I new was form like, of convenience. Yeah, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, like, I, right. I don't need that. Yeah. So think about this. And it's hard to even put yourself in this place. This was a time where the internet was something that not everybody was into. Yeah. And like also that like nobody was on it all the time. Right. Nobody. You were online for a few minutes a day. Yeah. And then you were offline. Yeah. So the world was just entirely different. Yeah. And so the world was entirely different in every way in the sense of like, I think you could have these like corporate things that would come to you, Mm -hmm. but because there's no sort of internet type space where everybody's talking about it on this like worldwide level. Yeah. Even if it's like a corporate thing, it still seems somewhat local to you. Yeah. So now the only way to sort of stand for local business or something that's very unique to where you live is to only support something like a shop around the corner. Right. That is completely like you could not have this anywhere else because it's only run by the people who live in this exact square <laughs> square mileage area, right. you know. Right. Um and and that there really isn't any other way to get it anywhere else. Right. But yeah, that's there's a, the the line that Christina who works for Kathleen at the store when uh, Steve Zahn's character, George, walks in and she says, are you online? Like, that's kind of a funny question nowadays because like... Of course you are. Of course you are. But who yeah, is it? it was, it's just so funny to think back to, no, I'm not. Or <laughs> sometimes when now it's like the internet went down at our school one day and I was like, oh, I'll just pull up a slide. No, I can't do that. That's right. online. I'll, oh, I'll just, no, I can't do any of that. Like, I can't. I can't send my work to the printer because it's all online. Like none of it is saved to my computer. Like everything, everything is online. And uh, I think that might be one of the things that people are really glad for to watch this movie, whether consciously or subconsciously, just like people genuinely connecting. Right. <laughs> Even though it's through email, it's through email in a different format. I, yeah. I was thinking about this today about there's something that's like heartwarming about the internet culture that's in you've got mail it's kind of novel to see the internet bringing out the best in people mm-hmm. yeah you know yeah like you get the best side of joe fox and the best side of kathleen kelly mm-hmm. when they're online talking to each other yeah and, and it's actually in person when the venom kind of comes out and it's it's something mm. about email i think it was also something about blogging that was sort of akin to letter writing or journaling mm-hmm those technologies in their day, email and blogging, the form of them, they required a type of thought process that invited reflection and introspection. I mean, every, every yeah. moment that they're doing this, it's them really thinking deeply about themselves and who they are. Yeah. Not and, just who they want to seem like, but who they actually are. Right. And that it's strange in this day and age to think that like that level of anonymity was a healthy thing for them. Right. Whereas now yeah. it's like that level of, of anonymity is like really what causes a yeah, lot of toxic the, things the to happen. It's the worst it, thing yeah. about it. But it's to me, it's like maybe it's not the anonymity 
maybe it's the anonymity married with the exact form of tech that that internet technology is taking on right now, which yeah. is short form comments, tweets, like right. just broadcasting yourself in the shortest amount of text and video possible. Yeah. Now you watch it. And that's like a nostalgia for something we will never get back. No, not at all. It's not coming back. Not a chance. Although, so, <clears throat> not although, exactly. But you you sent me, and I, we both read an uh, essay by Hanif Abdurraqib, who's one of my favorite poets Great writer. and essays. Yeah. I think we both read the essay collection, A Little Devil in America. I know if you've read some other yeah. stuff of his, but... They Can't Kill Us Until They Kill Us is One of the best essay one. collections you could possibly read, I think. He's just unbelievable. A great writer and a great <clears throat> thinker on pop culture. Yeah. Um, but he wrote an essay about You've Got Mail during the kind of still shut down. That part of the pandemic. Un, yeah. yeah. 2020, like everybody was sort of locked away. Yeah. Not going well, outside he, much. Yeah, it was October 2020. So things had opened up for the summer, but then That's we right, were back yeah. in the fall and things had closed down again. And he he writes about watching this movie during that. And he talks about how he still loves email. But he he hit on something that is true, I think. Like even today, he said the most worthwhile tension in You've Got Mail lies in the simple but pure ecstasy of receiving an email from a person you're excited about. He says not just romantic, like new friendships, yeah, oh yeah, old friendships, yeah. someone you haven't talked to in a long time but you want to talk to. Like that still exists. That sort of it like does. way of connecting and seeing, I would say even like texts. There's a, there's ways that if somebody pops up from that I haven't heard from in a long, long time, it's like, oh. Yeah. Yeah. And so he is very realistic and not like championing the internet in any way shape or form but for us today there is still that excitement and we kind of we tend to forget it because of the ubiquity because of the the toxicity of the internet and everything that has come along with it there is something about what they're experiencing that isn't fully lost right do you have anyone that you still like email with uh i mean not regularly i don't mean regularly but yeah. like once in a while like because I, I, for me, like, not it's one emails of the, so much. It's one of the only ways I communicate with my godmother. Okay, she's suffering from Parkinson's. Mm. Um, now it's her daughter who types out the emails, but it's a way that we've continued to communicate where we just recommend books to each other through email. Mm. I I love <laughs> when I go to my inbox and I see uh, I got an email from Aunt Joey. It's I love it. Mm-hmm. I guess I don't have ongoing things, but this is how students get in touch with me. Like former students, for a few years they would friend me on Facebook and we would like keep in touch that way, just kind of like in passing. But now none of my students are on Facebook and they don't really, and I, we don't really care about each other's Instagrams. So now just if a student wants to get in touch with me, they've got my school email and they'll just email me. And that's really nice. Like to see that pop up among all the other stuff. And then like, Oh, I yeah. haven't seen that name in a long time. And usually it's just, a, it's a really nice email. Nice to hear about what's going on in their yeah. lives. And I got one last week that just really like changed the day. Like, oh, that's great. No matter what happened, I got there, that email. There is a longevity to email <clears throat> because social media platforms come and go. Yeah. And so you really can't say necessarily that you'll stay in touch with people for the long haul mm-hmm. if you only stick with them through one social media platform. As we now know, like with what's happened, whatever's happening with Twitter right now. Oh my gosh. I you don't know, even know, if Twitter was your platform, it's just kind of a reminder that like this stuff and even AOL, like America Online, yeah. like these are things that are all just sort of like flashes in the pan yeah. in the internet life. Right. Things that seem like they dominate the world for a while. Yeah. Just go away. You have to be on Right this, now yeah. it's TikTok that seems like it's dominating the world, but it'll go away. It's yeah. not going to be around forever. Yeah. But email just has this like lasting staying power. And none of it has the ability to sustain a conversation the way email does. Yeah. But anyway, we're kind of getting away from you've got mail. All that to say, there is something more timeless about it than I think you would assume when it seemed like an AOL commercial. And a big part of that has to be the performances. Yeah. Like we are connecting with the people because we believe that they are connecting. Right. Well, here's a here's a direction we can go. Mm-hmm. Especially since it's T. Hanks giving. We're talking about Tom Hanks. Yeah. I kind of forgot how just kind of much of a jerk Joe yeah. Fox is. Yeah. He's pretty terrible. Which I want, I, do, do the swings of the pendulum there work for you? Like, I, I kind of thought rude Tom Hanks seemed pretty jarring still, not just because it was Tom Hanks, but because in every other way, he's not rude and uncaring. What sells it for me as far as I can buy this, I, I can believe this, 
is the fact that it makes a point of showing that this is the family he was raised in. Yeah. This is the way his father mm-hmm. has done business. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the way his father even treats relationships. Right. I think that's a big part of it. Um, because this father is, what, getting ready to marry his third or fourth wife and can't even remember, it seems like, a lot of the relationships yeah. that he was in, that he had children with. Well, you and know? Like, yeah, and his aunt is, is you know, a young girl, <laughs> right? like a little girl. Yes. So because of that, what I'm believing in this movie is that this is someone that just believes this is how you do business. Mm-hmm. There is no other way to do hadn't business. Necessarily thought about and it and hadn't really thought about it. But it's is, not personal. Is right, but is just a genuinely decent person. He's just someone who has never let that internal monologue of his show until yeah. he meets someone mm-hmm. anonymously online and yeah. starts to kind of think about these things a little bit more. Sure. Do you ever feel you become the worst version of yourself? That a Pandora's box of all the secret, hateful parts, your arrogance, your spite, your condescension, has sprung open. Someone provokes you, and instead of just smiling and moving on, you zing them. Hello, it's Mr. Nasty. I'm sure you have no idea what I'm talking about. Well, and like to your point, he if he hadn't been expressing those ideas to someone else who really validated them yeah. and fed them, I don't know that they would have become his forethought. And that scene with his dad near the end is really is really earned. I think so. Because a yeah. lot of what he had been thinking and working through in his emails with Kathleen, he really has to make a choice. Like, are you going to keep buying this? And like, is that the road you want to head down? Because yeah. that's the road you're on you will not be able to pull yourself out of that situation if you keep heading that way. Yeah. And he just makes that choice. Now, is this beautiful or what? Of course, I'll be living out of a suitcase for at least three weeks. And then there's the inevitable legal hassle, more of your inheritance down the drain. But Don't you worry about it. I won't. I just have to meet someone new, that's all. That's the easy part. All right, yeah. A snap to find the one single person in the world who fills your heart with joy. Well, don't be ridiculous. Have I ever been with anybody who fit that description? Have you? One of the things I think resonates with me in the movie, and I'm assuming resonates with a lot of people in the movie, is that these are both people who, they're not necessarily unhappy in their lives, but it goes back to your talk about existentialism mm-hmm. from uh, No Country for Old Men. Mm-hmm. But these are just people who are just living the lives that were kind of given to them. Yeah, This was a store that she was given, you know, her she mother, inherited. Had, she inherited. She's with a person that's just sort of like, by all accounts, should be the best person for her. This is the Greg Kinnear, yeah. pretentious New York uh, intellectual perfect casting and performance. Oh, he was amazing. <laughs> He's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> In the best but, way, but, you know. But... You know, not the worst in the way that no, he, so many other romantic comedies do it, where yeah. it's like, how could she have possibly thought he was a good... Because no. he's not scummy. Not only that, he does try to help her out with right. writing the article about her store. Yeah. You know, he's not a terrible guy. Right. He's just a guy who's just so not right full for of himself. And yeah, and it's, and it's just not right for her. And then you've got the same thing with um, Joe Fox, with Parker Posey's character. Oh my gosh. Such great casting How amazing there. is Parker Posey she, all the time? She's just incredible. And the same thing. She's not horrible. No, but she's just not, not right. right. But by all accounts, they are living the life that was given to them, and they're doing everything with it that they think they should be doing. Exactly. And it's not that Joe and Kathleen have always been wrong for them. It's just that through the emails, they're realizing how wrong they are for them. It's not like there were all these warning signs they shouldn't have, but then they just kind of realized as they were expressing themselves and hearing somebody else validate those parts of themselves. Yeah. It's like, oh, there is more. There's someone who is going to like, yeah, bring out the best parts of me that I haven't let out yet. Yeah. You know? Well, and what's interesting about the the difference between Joe and Kathleen is she is like, Oh, I'm so much more than I've allowed myself to be. Yeah. Well, one of my one of my favorite lines of the whole movie is when she asks the question, "Do I do it because I like it, or because I haven't been brave?" Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, I think she kind of realizes that it's a lot more the latter. Yeah. And the inverse of that is what Joe is realizing about himself 
not that he hasn't been living to his potential. I mean, I guess the, the way the, the way Hanif Abdurraqib put it, he said he knew that he could build himself up so high in a person's imagination that the real flawed version of him might only be a gentle letdown. And like he realized that the person he had become, who was this successful, you know, who had attained, you know, who was living his best corporate life, mm-hmm. was not who he wanted to be and would let down a person who had seen the real him. Right, yeah. Whereas for her, it was, it just inspires her to be more, and it also inspires him to be more, but just kind of like in the opposite direction. Right. Well, you know, and for him, it's a lot of like, it's not personal, it's business. Right. And I also love the part where she just says, I'm so sick of that. Yeah. What do you mean it's not personal, it's business? It's always personal. It's personal to someone. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't say it just like that. What you mean is it wasn't personal to you. Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. That's the idea of two people meeting each other. I mean, it's the traditional rom-com thing, obviously, of like, these are two people, that's the screwball comedy aspect, yeah, yeah, whereas it's like people who hate each other and then they find it. But to me, You've Got Mail does a really good job of showing like, it's not just about two people who hate each other all of a sudden finding out that they like each other. Right. When they think they don't like that other person, it's actually just that they don't like that part in themselves. Right. And that other person is highlighting that in them and making them change for the better. Right. You know? That Joe has absorbed and spits out a lot of corporate nonsense that excuses rudeness and insensitivity. Yeah. And she has swallowed the societal ideas that she can't be more. And that's something that Hanifa Durakib also points out in his essay that she gets shushed frequently yeah. by men. Right. Yep. And he's got that, like, I'm just going to read it because it's so perfectly Hanif Abdurraqib. He says, long live the parts of You've Got Mail that refurbish the excitement of our sometimes misguided yearnings. Long live Meg Ryan, but not the Meg Ryan being shushed by lovers or suitors, not the Meg Ryan weeping while holding a picture of her dead mother, but always the Meg Ryan on her toes, bouncing and gleefully throwing punches in the air on the day it seemed like her shot might survive. And yes, long live emails. (laughs) I love that line. Long live the heart's impossible surge when carved into a tree within that useless forest of an inbox you spot a name you have hoped to see. Long live the slow, small openings that make up the thrill of an email exchange becoming more in- intimate. And that's, I, I think, like the best thing that's happening to both of them is that they're finding themselves. They're finding their life in connection. these connections. Yeah. yeah. Which in 1998, I think it was almost like the movie had to make a case that you could have a real connection over the internet. Know. Yeah. Because yeah. don't you remember that? Like, yeah. or, or, or even like the, when, when dating online first became right. a thing, it was like something that you wouldn't actually admit to you someone. You wouldn't want to tell people that you, you met, met online. online. Yeah. That was, it was like that for a long time. A very long time. Yeah. Um, thankfully, it's not even existent anymore, really. Right. It'd be, you know, it's like yeah. the place to meet people now if you're single. Yeah. There are but, people who only have online friendships. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it is that's the thing is I think this movie like maybe as a, as a form of overcompensating, but like, it's sort of like it, it was making, it was really making a case that you mm-hmm. could connect with people online. And now I think we watch it and we're just like, that's a beautiful love story. Yeah. Like we're not, it's not weird to us that right. someone is connecting online. Right. <laughs> I just had a thought. What if in like 24 years people watch her and they're like, Oh, it's just a beautiful <laughs> just love a story beautiful between a man and his, his, uh, <laughs> his operating system. <laughs> You can tell hey, that the movie really hey, had to make a case for falling in love hey, with your operating hey, system. But. You heard it here, folks. You heard it <laughs> first here. Could yeah. we still be friends? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I absolutely agree that that is why this movie is being revisited by so many people. Yeah. Not just the cozy aesthetic, though. That's definitely like kind of a life aspiration, a life goal people might have. But for a lot of people, that doesn't move past the aesthetic of it. But like what's happening to the characters is really significant. And like you said, it's beautiful. Um, do you, uh, switching gears a little bit, uh, we talked about Greg Kinnear and Parker Posey, who of course stand out as, I mean, they always stand out, Parker Posey especially. But then you've got, you know, Dave Chappelle yeah. is in this. Yeah. And I, I don't think he was given a whole lot to do. I feel like the most underused people in this movie are Dave Chappelle and Steve Zahn. Yeah. I mean, given what we know, what given they can what we know, do. they can do. Although I mean, they're it's fine. interesting yeah. that Steve Zahn wasn't—he wasn't so goofy and out there. He was fairly believable. He wasn't like rabidly anti-corporate. Like he—he he yeah. was just. I, that's that's one thing that like I I don't know that I would have expected from this movie is subtlety and in, in characterization. But yeah, Dave Chappelle is kind of in and out of the movie. Yeah, I think the 
best scene is probably the scene where he of Dave Chappelle. This is probably the scene where he's kind of peeking in on Kathleen Kelly to see mm-hmm. who, uh, and he's the one who realizes. Yeah, that he's it, the one who, who breaks it, it to him. Yeah. yeah, but not as like exciting to see him in the movie as I I no. hoped it would be. When I was like, oh yeah, Dave Chappelle's in this. I forgot. And he's just he's in it. To me, I wonder if it was just for him. It was a role. Yeah, I mean, I don't well, think he. I don't know if he veered much from the script. I don't know if he had. You know, it's just I don't think it was written for Chappelle. I think it's just sort of a role for someone. Well, what I read on IMDb trivia, which we know is verified truth, mm-hmm. he had passed on the role of Bubba in Forrest Gump. Oh, really? Because he felt like it was a weird movie that people weren't really going to pay attention to, but got to know Tom Hanks through that process of turning it down and auditioning and thinking about it and everything, and that Tom Hanks wanted to make sure to bring him along on a movie at some point. Tom Hanks working the magic. Yeah. He's always looking out for people. Looking out for people. Well then, okay, you brought up the role, the the sort of pivotal role that Chappelle plays. Mm -hmm. One thing I don't know about this movie is I think it gets really weird when Joe Fox Mm -hmm. knows Mm -hmm. that it's Kathleen Kelly and she doesn't know it's him. Yeah. And he kind of just strings her along for a really long time in the movie. Yeah. I'm talking about just runtime of the movie. Yeah, definitely. Like a third of the movie. Pretty much, yeah. Is like him knowing it's her and her not knowing it's him. Mm -hmm. That's what he said. It sounds to me like he's married. (laughs) Married three kids. It's a terrible thing to say. He could not possibly be married. How do you know? Have you asked him? Have you said, are you married? Have you written to him? No, no, I'm not going to ask. No. I know this is probably a little late to be asking, but. Are you married? Am I married? What kind of question is that? How can you ask me that? Don't you know me at all? Oh, wait, I get it. Your friends are telling you the reason we haven't met is that I'm married. Am I right? So he didn't answer the question. Yes, he did. He did he not. He did, too. He did ex- he nailed me. He knew exactly what I was after, which is just, by the way, exactly like him. He did not answer the question, did he? No. I don't know if it's just Maybe. because we all kind of know what catfishing is. Right. Or like the, I wonder, or, too. Or if it's that we know like how terrible people can be online to each other now. Mm-hmm. But how I manip- read that... How manipulative that, that is. And... It, it just felt gross yeah. to me now. Uh-huh. Like in in a way that I don't know if it would have in '98. Right. I don't. I can't put myself in that internet headspace to mm-hmm. know. But it does just strike me watching it now as oh, like, am I supposed to still think this is a sweet guy? Yeah. Can Tom Hanks' charm pull this off? Yeah. Like standing her up and then leading her on for a very long time, and I will give Meg Ryan huge credit. Or in her um, in her facial acting and emotions, actually somehow pulling off the ambiguity of that when she sees that it's him. Yeah, because there's a little bit of a it was you the whole time. Yeah, a little bit. And like, there's a little bit of wait, <laughs> wait what? And a little bit of a but I'm still really happy it's you. So yeah. you get that romantic comedy payoff. Yeah. Well, let me first off say that my father-in-law loves the scene where she finds out like loves meg ryan's ability to cycle through so many emotions in that scene where she realized when he comes up with bailey is the name of the dog right or uh no brinkley brinkley okay so she comes up with the in the garden she realizes yeah he he yeah it's like family like like the story of him like kind of like pausing the movie to say like no watch what she does (laughs) it's kind of funny (laughs) um so i i feel like i had to say that i think that the whole thing is essentially saved when she said, I wanted it to be you so badly. I think it would go too far to say that she did think it was him, but that she had feelings for him, for Joe. You know, it's not like she the whole time was like, no, Joe's my friend. I really love this guy. Right. Right. Like his wooing had worked. It had. And you know that from the scene prior where he basically lays it all out on the table and then she's like, but I got to go meet this guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the timing here is everything. I mean, he, he's waited until you're primed, see, until you are absolutely convinced that there's no other man that you could possibly love. Yes. You know, sometimes I wonder. What? Well, 
If I hadn't been Fox Books, and you hadn't been the shop around the corner, and you and I had just met. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I would have asked for your number. And I wouldn't have been able to wait 24 hours before calling you up and saying, hey, how about... Oh, how about some coffee or, you know, drinks or dinner or a movie? For as long as we both shall live. Joe? And you and I would never have been at war. And the only thing we'd fight about would be which video to run on a Saturday night. Well, who fights about that? Well, some people. Not us. We would never. And you can tell that she's really having she a hard really time. She really is wondering whether she should. I yeah. think that that kind of like morally situates it. it. Yeah. I think a generous way to think about it is that he really didn't know whether he, in her mind, could be the guy that he knew himself to be through the emails. Like, had he ruined it with his behavior hmm. so badly? That if he showed her who he was, like that would destroy her. I, I, yeah, it's interesting. So you are you kind of, I don't know if you're saying this, but it is making me wonder if he was partially doing it as a way of protecting her. Mm. Like if he knew that if she Mm. were to find out that, like if he got the sense, okay, she cannot forgive me. And then she thinks that this person is out there. Yeah. And is a great person. And if she finds out it's me. Her whole like faith in the world will just be sort of shattered, right? Because we're not at a place yet where there's enough trust to where she can see me as anything other than what I, what I have been, what I have been. Yeah, I don't know. I think that's possible. Yeah, I don't know. Like that, I, said, I don't know that the movie generous. tells you that. You know? Yeah, you have to you have to, you read, have to read that, that into it. it. Yeah, or that he was so insecure that he needed to know that she wouldn't end it. If he revealed himself to be Joe Fox, you which know. for a long time he she certainly it would have would been have. right. Yeah, now he was dishonest <laughs> and <laughs> right. he was lying to her knowingly and was messing with her. Now, to the service of the movie, it's really fun to see them flirting and becoming friends. Sure. Yeah. Well. Yes. it's just so much of their conversation is about her and this guy and he knows it's him the whole time and kind of orchestrates everything about it manufactures like I think you should do this I think you should do that he said what you know yeah which I think in 98 was probably seen as just kind of funny yeah like a harmless kind of friendly prank yeah thing pranking we'll laugh about this later but yeah it really is you know manipulative and deceitful (laughs) and uh but in a way, only Hanks can bring it out. Oh, of course. Know? Of course. Only Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> As, uh, we will accept emotional abuse from Tom Hanks. Well, I mean, well, no, that's not true. But I do. <laughs> but but there is there's a way. He's just that, charming. That there's a way he can pull it off where you're believing that this is a guy that doesn't really mean any ill intent. I, I mean, I feel like because it's him, the the generous interpretations could actually hold water. Right. Not just be full on excuses because I think they're there. Like they're there in that scene where he stops her from saying something mean. That's true. Yeah. Because he, he does, he is thinking of her and what she would think of herself later. And there it's there in the insecurity too, you know, in the way that she can hurt him Mm -hmm. and she can expose him for who he is. And so like to say that he might've been protecting her by having this like, person that she really connected with be someone she hated and wanting to know whether she would hate him if she found out is there's some truth to it i think there's some truth to him not wanting to be rejected and disappointing so he didn't want to like reveal himself until he was certain 
like certain that, certain that, that even that in she, real life they could have that kind of relationship yeah. that only existed <clears throat> online up yeah. to that point. And more so because I think he I think he realizes that he wants that relationship with her. Yeah. But, well, of course he does because that's sort of what the whole conversation with the father is about. Yeah. Right. That he kind of realizes that he does have something special with this yeah. person. So I think that's all there. And it was really scummy way to do it. But you don't got a movie without it, I guess. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Now, have you seen like The Shop Around the Corner or any of the oh, yeah. other iterations? I love The Shop Around the Corner. Oh, yeah? Have you seen it? No, I It's haven't. great. It's a great movie. And Jimmy Stewart is fantastic in it. And Jimmy Stewart was probably, he's, he's kind of the Tom Hanks yeah. of his day. Even if you look at the kind of breadth of work that Stewart did, everything from like the stuff he did with Hitchcock right. to the stuff he did with Capra. And this kind of romantic comedy stuff he did with Shop Around the Corner, like he's got the same even kind of career arc and yeah. and every part about Jimmy Stewart that you love is sort of similar to what you love about Tom Hanks. And Shop Around the Corner, if you haven't seen it, is fantastic. It's a great movie. All right. Well, I'll have to check it out. And I wonder if we'll see a movie. Like, it's interesting that you brought up her because mm-hmm. I wonder if, like, it's not the same story. No. But it does seem like every time a new type of technology comes out, we keep having this questions about what it does to the self. Yeah. And who are we? Who are we with, with this? this with this technology? And yeah. I wonder if like I don't know that you've got mail as I, I don't even know if it knew what it was really digging into necessarily if it was just trying to make a light movie, but now you look at it and it's just sort of a it's a really interesting artifact of a movie wrestling in a very light way wrestling with what this technology means for ourselves yeah and her in a more serious kind of way was doing that with what was cropping up with more ai type stuff yeah Um, i don't know i think that's a very natural inclination every time there's a new technology for us to just wonder what is this doing to us right and you've got mail it's a much more positive this is a great way to connect with people Mm -hmm. i think i'm more used to the like sort of sci-fi this is really not a good thing for us and it, you know, it is a, it is sort of novel to have a movie that is about a new technology that is not just trying to warn people about it. Yeah, kind of make a case for it to an extent. Yeah. So, does this bump your rating up at all? Talking about it, um, I don't know. I I think three and a half just sounds right to me. Still, I, four doesn't seem right. It's not. I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I wouldn't be opposed to bumping it up to four. Okay. I feel like I feel like that's also so, sort of the spirit of T. Hanks giving that we tend to oh, give sure. it the T. Hanks the, the, the T. Hanks the bump. Have we bump. called it the T. Hanks? I don't bump? know if we have. Yeah, because I think you bumped that thing you do all the way up to a five star movie. That's right, and it wasn't yeah. five stars at the time. It was like that's four right. and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So should we? I'll maybe, give it the annual. Maybe we just give T. it a T. Hanks, Hanks giving bump. bump. I'll, I'll do. I can go four stars. We'll go four. Why yeah. not? Yeah. Hey, honestly, I really had a nice time watching it. Yeah. And a nice time talking about and it. And it was a good time talking about it, so. And could you see yourself throwing it on around Thanksgiving? Why not? Yeah. Of course. Why not? What's wrong with that? Well, before we start talking about our next episode, we, we, before we move into the, 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 the final the, third the of third our third of season, the trilogy, yeah. Let's do uh, something we do every now and then. We seem to only really remember to do it for for T Thanksgiving, but let's do our most irrelevant IMDb trivia. Oh yeah, of course. I mean, because it's tis the season. Let's do this. So uh, I, I I still need to select one. Uh, there's so many good ones. There are I'm a assuming. million good ones. Are this there? one's this one is like it's a treasure trove. Only irrelevant trivia. The ones that I uh, that kind of get me are are the ones where people connect to things from other movies for really no reason at all. <laughs> so a couple of those are uh, in the party scene. Tom Hanks' character responds to Kathleen's comment that caviar is a garnish by scooping up all the remaining caviar for himself. In the movie Big, nineteen eighty eight, Hanks' character tries caviar at a party, which he hates. He spits it out and wipes his tongue with a napkin. Wow. Well, and who? So it's a little bit of trivia. That's for quite you. a bit of trivia, actually, because who would have thought there were two caviar scenes? Yeah, with one Tom Hanks. Right. I mean, how many actors could do two caviar scenes, and they're both different? Honestly, I think they've kind of now. That's that's they've exhausted all caviar scenes. Yeah, that's why you don't see them, and that's what makes it. You great. really don't see a caviar scene. Right. When's the last time you saw a caviar I scene in a movie? I couldn't tell you. I really couldn't, and I think that's because I mean that's why it's such great trivia is because you, that was peak you, caviar. You're realizing, has anybody really Tom put that Hanks together? Tom Hanks did two caviar two scenes, caviar scenes, which is very the extent ones. of all you can do with a caviar. Yeah, scene. Yeah, both played for comedy, very different. One he took too much, the other one he didn't like it. The other one I'll say, 
Also has to do with food and a connection to another movie. Oh, you're going to give drink. us two I'm going to give you two. Okay, all right. Did you yeah, know? This is bonus. Did so you generous. know? Okay. <clears throat> Did you know that You've Got Mail is one of two movies in which Tom Hanks' character orders a stoli on the rocks? Wait, two movies? There are two movies where Tom Hanks orders a stoli on the, the rocks. The, the one is You've Got Mail. Right. And the other one. Stoli on the Rocks. I'm going to guess. You will not get this. Why? Because I haven't seen it. I don't know this movie. <laughs> so it's not like The Burbs or something like no. that. Okay. Fine. And if you don't even know it, and yeah. we've been celebrating this for yeah. four years, then I'm not going to guess it. The other one is Nothing in Common from 1986, <laughs> which as I, as I say, as I say, as I say, I don't remember it. I, I, I know I mean, who doesn't forget the first time Tom Hanks ordered Stoli on the Rocks? Even if you haven't seen that movie, you've seen that scene. I guarantee it. <laughs> yeah. Because nobody orders a Stoli on the Rocks. Like Tom Hanks. Like Tom Hanks. And nobody has done it twice. Right. Which, again, now there is no other scene to be done. How often do people order Stoli on the Rocks in the movies? Twice with Tom Hanks. Yeah. You don't That's see it. it anymore. The only thing, else the only thing you can do with those two things more at this point is a third Tom Hanks movie where he... Puts caviar in a story on the rocks. Well, he could do that, or yeah, yeah some some form of doing yeah, something mixing with it caviar. Together. Yeah, mixing it or you know scooping yeah. up the caviar and and eating it and then ordering yeah. a story on the rocks. Right. You know, or what do I look like the kind of guy who would order caviar? I just ordered a story on the rocks. Yeah, it was that. Yeah, some you know? great like quip, yeah. a great Tom Hanks quip about story on the rocks. You know, IMDb caviar. trivia would be all over it. Five out of nine people found the story on the rocks went interesting. For the record. <laughs> Should I, should I give you two? Are we oh, going to sure. do two? Yeah. I don't know. Give me two. Because we've, got, are... because we've got a T. Hanks giving that's also an M. Ryan giving. <laughs> we've, got, we've got two, <laughs> okay. two stars. We've got, we, we, we each do two irrelevant IMDb trivias. Okay, I've got two. All right. All right. And, and this time I'm going to kind of get away from um, Tom Hanks and even Meg Ryan a little bit. Okay. And let's just do some more general trivia. Hopefully it's okay. still food and drink. Um, adjacent. Okay. All right. All right, so did you know, Ryan, that in, in the children's section of the Fox Bookstore, there mm. is a cardboard cutout of a fox playing a flute or recorder, mm. much like the Pied Piper, as if to lure in customers? Oh. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> it, wait, wait. Um, it's in the section. Is that even trivia? That's a theory. <laughs> That's right. That's like that's a, a theory. That's oh my gosh! It's I bet theory. that person right. is fun to watch movies with. Right. <laughs> right. You know, it does. It gives the whole. I think it gives the shop a whole other characteristic. Like I mean, you it's know, it's a little it's, it's a creepy Pied Piper yeah. that lures children into this bookstore right. with, its, with his flute or recorder. Who are we to say? Who are we to say? Because you play those the same way. That's right. <laughs> and who's to say what the Pied Piper pipes? Yeah, all right, that's, that's a one. Good one. And then I thought let's 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 do a little trivia on the supporting cast. Mm. Let's talk a little bit about this trivia here. Did mm. you know that both Greg Kinnear and Steve Zahn have guest appearances in Friends, nineteen ninety four? Wow, I, I love a show that had love, a lot of guest appearances. Yeah, but I wouldn't have thought that they, them too. Two big stars would have uh, guested on a major show. Yeah. That's um, interesting. It's just good trivia. That's what I like it's about stuff that to throw trivia, out at, a, at, a, at the Thanksgiving meal, you throw yeah, that out. Yeah, and what I love about that trivia is it's basically: Did you know that professional actors <laughs> acted in other things? <laughs> that's, Fascinating. That that that's the gist of that <laughs> trivia. I will I will admit that's the gist of it. No, uh, I did not well, see... they, they do other things. Nineteen ninety four. Nineteen ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's great. That's uh, I think that just edifying. about wraps up our trivia. Uh, I think, yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, I would say uh, let's toast our Stoli on the rocks to that, but Tom Hanks has done he it. Already did we it. don't need to yeah. do that again. I guess uh, all that's left to do is to eat our caviar. Oh, no, no, nope, no, nope. we can't even we eat can that. Eat Thanksgiving meal. I guess um, so. Yeah. Well, great. I'm glad we did that. And um, so, does that kind of that that puts a bow on? A wonderful tea Thanksgiving. Yeah, they're all wonderful, aren't they? They're they're great. I I really hope our listeners don't stop with "You've Got Mail." No, and just keep digging. He's into in that so many other movies. I don't a know ton, a ton. Uh, And this is interesting. I you could the trivia even, didn't mention it. That, Tom Hanks is in a bunch of other movies. Right. Yes, nineteen ninety four. 
Probably, yeah. I'm Forrest pretty, Gump. I think Forrest Gump, 1994. Well, why was that not in the trivia? Yeah. Did you know? Tom Hanks was in Forrest Gump, Forrest Gump 1994. 1994. <laughs> Did you know that Friends started in 1994 and Forrest Gump came out in 1994? Crazy and trivia. Greg Kinnear and the Steve Zahn guested on Friends 1994. 1994. Yeah. The same year. All, all, all of which are in You've Got Mail, 1998. Yeah. Well, hey, how about we, uh, why don't we talk about this uh, last piece of the trilogy yeah. here, the seasonal trilogy. Yeah. All right, so for our next episode, we're looking at, this is December. Of course. And, uh, you know, continuing the tis of the season. Right. And uh, we've done a lot of Christmas movies in our past few years, and we're going to yeah. continue that tradition, mm-hmm. but we're going to do a little bit different this time. Yeah. Mostly because, you know, this is a movie podcast, and I definitely consider this a, a very special thing that I watched, mm-hmm. but it's it was a television special. Right. And if you haven't guessed it already, because how many timeless, timeless television, television Christmas specials, specials are there? There's a, quite a few Christmas ones, actually. But for us, I think the one that hits the hardest yeah. is Charlie Brown Christmas. Yeah, for a lot of people, it hits the hardest, I think. And I think it's, the, I think it's like the one that like a lot of people make a real point to watch every single mm-hmm. Christmas. I know I do. I know my family does. I know I've introduced it to my, my boys, and mm-hmm. now it's become part of their tradition to want to watch it every year. Yeah. So it'll probably be a shorter shorter episode. Yeah. I mean, we're all busy around the holiday season. You guys are probably driving to and from all sorts of end-of-the-year responsibilities and... Connecting flights. Fun events and, and oh yeah, running, family, running around the airport. Stuff, So yeah. you may not have an hour, hour 20 to devote to right. a, a holiday episode. Podcast so episode. we're going to do a bit of a shorter one. Yeah, we're probably we're gonna, not going to try to talk for two hours about... Uh, you know, thirty minute, <laughs> 30 minute special. I don't even know if it is thirty minutes because that was with commercial breaks. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's more like twenty. Yeah, so yeah, it would be kind of strange for us to to talk for an hour about something like that. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, yeah. it could happen. You yes. never know. But that's the plan for right now is uh, to to talk about that special to really kind of dig into it because I've seen it so many times ever since I was a kid. But I don't know if I've ever really talked about it that much. But I, I love it yeah. so. You know, there's not going to be any contention, I don't think, in this one. Probably not. Maybe, well, who knows? Maybe I mean, possible. I know you just hate Snoopy because that dog is just not very nice. Not what beagles Brown. look like. No. Right. I've, well, I've said that, that too. Yeah. So we're just going to not, we're going to avoid that part of the conversation. Okay. The, you feel it's just a little too cartoony, the, yeah. the beagle representation. It's all cartoony. I know. I, okay. We're not going to go there right now. Yeah. All right. Let's, I'll table that. Yes. I, I will I'll get that out of my system. That's right. not going to be what we talk about. You don't like that. It's, the whole it's, thing is a cartoon. Not, the whole thing. Yes, it is. And you, you, you just think it's too much of that. I think it's too much of that. I think it's not what beagles look like. That's the truth. Snoopy does not look like a real beagle. No. And you either, you either sort of maintain that suspension of disbelief and go full into it but it sounds like if you're that's, gonna make him such a major character i cannot understand why you would I, just be a I, caricature of a dog okay but but aside it's from just an the, approximation of a dog but aside from that you do like what they specifically guy. call you him a do, beagle i i'm aware of this well charles schultz yes that was his intent for it was for it to be a beagle i think and, and to sell life you insurance think. Okay. i think yes matt life yeah but yeah i mean yeah, I, I don't know fine. i i get kind of where you're coming from yeah uh, but we're not going to go I'll there. We're not going to. We're not going to go there in the episode. You're going to get it out. To right the now. movie's credit, it is not the point of the movie. So I, I can put it aside put it while aside. I watch this. Yes, right. Never going to look like a beagle. Okay. Yeah. I yeah I get that. So just I get that. Can you just see him as a dog? Although I mean he, he walks on two legs yeah. and. Um, it it'll be fine. It'll be fine. All right. You do you do like this though? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, big fan. Just yeah. not the beagle. I, it's just it's fine it'll be fine all right all right um all right so i'm looking forward We're to it. Da- i'm definitely looking forward to this. this is gonna be great this is gonna be a great episode and uh yeah we will we'll be we'll be closing out our holiday season yeah yeah i'm excited for that i mean it's been a great run yeah you couldn't pick better movies i don't think to probably not with. no no I mean, people have tried oh and failed yeah miserably yeah but you know they oh, that's yeah. that's what makes this show special. Oh yeah. They failed yeah. big time. Yeah. <laughs> big yeah. time. Oh yeah. Big time. But not here. Nope. We did it right. We nailed it. We've been doing this for a long time. We've yeah. We're veterans at this at this, this point. This is in our first we, uh, we, three seasons. We know the way you select them. Because yeah. it's you know, some people think you just if you can just get like a really good you know, Halloween movie. Doesn't you can kind of phone in the other yeah. ones. That's and that's true. just not the case. You've you got to really there. think you gotta it show through. Up you got to think time. about how they complement one another. Three months in a row, you got to show up. Right. 
And so for us, it's like, yeah, Get Out was a fantastic choice. And yeah. we, we threw the back to school thing in, and that really, really broke ground. Yeah. But then it was like, yeah, but how are you going to complement that? Right. Any T. Hanks movie yeah. would go fine with those. Yeah. But what's going to be the one that's really yeah. going to elevate Once it? you get out, Once, what do what you, you got? got? Yeah. Oh. You've, you've, got, you've mail. got mail. Right. You get out, you've got mail. Yeah. And then, uh, and then it's kind of like, whew, we've been going so hard this whole, yeah. these two months. Yeah. You know. Um, that, how do we that, take care of ourselves? Yes. Yeah, self-care is very important here. Yeah. And so to kind of dial it back just a little. We can't commit 110% to a two-hour recording session. What can we commit to? We can commit to a TV special. We can. That's that's years of knowing ourselves and knowing each other. And knowing our listeners. And knowing our listeners. And what, what our listeners can, can handle. handle. Yeah. Because we put you through the ringer. That's right. These last two months. Well, that that's true. But you know, we've done it all out. But in of, like a really good way. Sell, you know, out of out of our interest in further developing you as a person, right. as a listener. Yeah. We knew we were. You know, you were we're in like good in hands. A good way. Yeah. You were in good hands with 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 me and Ryan yeah. here. Yeah. Um, and and you're still in good hands. And next month's, you know, going to close this out with yeah. Charlie Brown Christmas. I don't think you could do. You could yeah. not do a better selection. And I don't think I'm 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 jinxing anything by saying we will stick that lane. Well, we will. There's no doubt about it. But. Uh, we would love to hear from you about mm-hmm. this episode, any of our past episodes, any of our future episodes, even mm-hmm. ones we haven't announced yet. If you've oh, got yeah. ideas for movies you'd definitely. want us to talk about, we'd love to hear from, hear anything. Yeah. So yeah, we want we definitely want to hear from you. To listen to or comment on this or any of our past episodes, find us at canwestillbefriends.net or email us at feedback at canwestillbefriends.net. You can find us on Facebook at Can We Still Be Friends Podcast or Instagram at Can We Still Be Friends Pod. And if you'd like to leave us a voice message and perhaps even be featured on the podcast, you can give us a call at 847-306-9532 or email us a voice memo. And as always, we'd love it if you could subscribe and leave us a rating or review at Apple Podcasts. Those ratings really help spread the word about our show. Can We Still Be Friends is written and produced by Ryan Ebling and Nate Goss and edited by Nate Goss. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.